Welcome to Mac Power Users, Episode 4, Staying in Sync. Hello, friends. This is David Sparks, and with me today is Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm kind of excited about talking about synchronization. I think it's a topic that's definitely generated a lot of hype. I know we've Twittered about this and gotten a lot of comments from people saying, you know, I don't have a good syncing solution, or here are some things that don't work, and here are some things that do work for this, but not for this. So I think it's definitely a topic that people are interested in. I guess it depends who you ask. I told my wife uh, the subject of today's show, and she said, who is going to want to listen to that? But at the same time, I bet she has a lot of things that you've magically set up for her to stay in sync that she would probably be upset if they didn't. Yeah, she has no idea. (laughs) So we all have to do a little Wizard of Oz magic behind the scenes to to keep our loved ones happy. You know, the thing about synchronization is up until about a year or two ago, it was easier just to have one computer and, and just not deal with it. I agree. In fact, for that reason, I've been a one computer household for so long and it... I'm I'm about at the point where I'm thinking I'm ready to get a little more powerful desktop machine and a little less powerful laptop machine and and really I don't know but syncing has been the one thing that has kept me from doing that. Yeah, I kind of jumped into it uh without warning. I about a year ago I got an extra Mac. I you know, I I've, I've always had one computer and uh some nice things happened that allowed me to have two. And I didn't even really think about it until I got the second machine and I got thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I've got all these files on different machines now. So I had to kind of get into it and I I went in real deep. So, uh, But that really kind of gets to the question, why do you want to synchronize? Partially because it it makes our lives easier, whether you're syncing two computers, whether you're syncing your home computer and your work computer, whether it's a desktop, a laptop, or even a computer and your iPhone or your computer in the cloud. It just makes it so simple to know that if I need a bit of information or if I need someone's phone number or if I need to find that email address or that email that was sent to me, it's pretty much in one of about three places that I can get access to fairly quickly no matter where I am. Yeah, if you have multiple computers, uh, you, when you work on a file on one machine and you go to the other machine, you want to be able to open it without thinking about it. And that's what synchronization allows you to do. Another reason why you want to synchronize is if you've got uh, work at uh, a computer at work and a computer at home and you want to be able to work on the files. And now obviously you want to talk with your IT people at work or whoever it is makes the policies and procedures at work to make sure that this is allowed because I know my office place has pretty strict um, policies on what documents can be taken out of the office and what can't and things that they want on people's personal computers and things that they don't. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later when we get deeper into the outline, but uh, there are some some solutions that I use for that that I think are are fair and safe. And, uh, you know, another advantage of synchronizing is um, easy computer setup. I uh, recently set up a new laptop, and it's so easy now. I just, between having my 1Password database, my Dropbox database, and my MobileMe syncing data, most of the work is done with a couple flips of switches. Right. I recently put a new hard drive in my laptop, and I was surprised at how easily that process went. It was pretty much um, a couple hours of a morning, and my laptop was back to running the way it was the night before with the old hard drive. What do you synchronize? It depends. 
Um, do you need to synchronize everything on the computer, only specific files and folders, only things in a particular folder? Because I'm a one Mac household, I personally don't synchronize a whole lot. I synchronize with my iPhone primarily, and that's email and calendars and contacts. I synchronize some notes. Uh, but I have set up synchronization systems. My dad recently got a new iMac and a new MacBook Pro, and we've got him set up to sync pretty much all of his files back and forth between the two machines because he has one at work and one at home. So between me and solutions that I've set up for others, I've pretty much synced just about everything. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of fitting your dad's category. I've got an iMac and a MacBook, and I keep a lot of data going back and forth with certain exceptions, uh, like we discussed on earlier shows. I mean, tax returns and client files and certain things don't get synced, but generally just about everything I need comes across. Well, I pretty much decided that my dad was going to be my guinea pig. I was going to set him up to sync, and if it worked well for him for a year, or maybe not quite a year, then I was going to feel okay about doing something similar myself. Is that bad? Yeah, but you're not going to last a year. Probably not. You know, the idea of syncing your home folder, I'm not sure if that's really a good idea. I mean, there's a lot of files in there, system files and things you don't need to sync. Uh, for me, it's always been about uh, working data files. So if I use OmniFocus, or actually that's a bad example, if I use OmniOutliner, the OmniOutlines are being synced across the various computers, not the OmniOutliner program or the preference files or any of the other stuff, just the data file. And I guess part of it depends, too, on how you have files and folders on your computer set up. If you follow the Apple preferred method, for lack of a better term, typically everything is going to be inside your home folder, hopefully inside your documents folder, or inside a few specific key places. So let's get started uh, with synchronizing data. And I'm not talking about files. I'm just talking about the data that you're using for your various programs. And, and I think the beginning point for that is MobileMe. MobileMe is one of those things that people either love or they hate. Uh, I am a big MobileMe fan, but I will tell you that there are definitely days, and so, there were weeks and maybe even months for a while there that I hated it. But MobileMe is, is something that I recommend to most Mac users uh, for the home and, and personal use. I wouldn't try to run a business off of MobileMe syncing, but it makes everything very easy to sync your calendars, your contacts, your email accounts, your bookmarks, widgets, keychains, docs, preference panes. MobileMe and the MobileMe system preference panel makes a lot of that very easy to do without even really having to think about it. I mean, we talked about MobileMe on our email episode with the IMAP benefits, but one of the big benefits of owning a MobileMe account is synchronizing unrelated data, like your contacts and your calendar. Uh, if you, especially if you have an iPhone, I think it's almost a no-brainer. I think MobileMe is actually required purchasing in my book if you have an iPhone. It's actually a pretty good service. I know it got a bad rap last year when they rolled out the MobileMe uh, improvements. Well, and a lot of people also complain about the price of MobileMe. But if you sit back and think about it, do you really use MobileMe to its full potential? And I think a lot of people use MobileMe in a lot of different ways. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the price later, and you can get you can definitely get it cheaper than they sell it for in the Apple Store. But in terms of just using MobileMe, I can tell you that I use just about all of it. I have the calendar syncing through my various Macs. Um, 
my contacts are all synced through mobile me. I don't keep lists of names anywhere. You know, for instance, um, you could put like a list of your doctors, but why bother? I just put up an address book and in the notes section, I put that they're a doctor and then I can search easily find it. And it, it's always syncing through my iPhone, my various computers. Um, I sync my bookmarks because I like Safari. So it's no big deal for me to do that. I even sync my widgets on my computer. That's true, because if you're on one computer and you go to another, especially if you go back and forth day to day, most people really want the two computers to look and feel very similar so that they don't have to think, okay, I'm on this computer, I'm on that computer. Another real big benefit of syncing with MobileMe is that it's got the open platform for developers, and one of my favorite applications is TextExpander. Um, they have built-in MobileMe syncing. So when I update a text expander snippet on my laptop and I go to my desktop, it's already done. So you really don't have to think, okay, this is where I am now and I can or I can't do this. Uh, 1Password, I know, syncs their 1Password. If you use the standard keychain format, will sync through MobileMe. And they also are now recommending some other alternatives. Yojimbo databases sync through MobileMe. Yeah, and you know, one password has their own new uh, standard for the keychain, and that um, I actually sync through Dropbox. But uh, well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a lot about Dropbox. Yeah. So, Mobile Me, I think, really has a lot of benefits. There's a 30 day free uh, trial period. Is it still 30 days, or maybe it's even more? I don't know. I think it was 60 for a while. But if you haven't used it and you've got multiple Macs, it really is worth looking into. And um, another portion of MobileMe that I like is the web uh, support. A lot of people uh, kind of pan that when it first came out, but I am sitting at a PC at work sometimes, and it's really nice being able to get all my MobileMe data simply by booting up um, the web page uh, for MobileMe, and I can get all my data in a pretty friendly web interface. I really like the MobileMe web interface. It, it's easy if I'm on someone else's computer. I have quick access to my email. I love being able to pull up my calendar or contacts. And it's just another extension to syncing. Now, in my case, I almost always have my iPhone in my pocket. So I can pick all of that stuff up either on my iPhone. But if I'm somewhere, well, I can't think of any place I am where I don't have my iPhone. But if I am somewhere where I don't have my iPhone and I do have access to a computer, I can still get all of that information. I really like the new enhancements they've made to the MobileMe web interface with this most recent version. The The email is a lot easier to use. It has a lot more functions. Uh, you know, The calendar had some issues, but it, it seems to be working well now and to add appointments. In fact, while I'm at work, I will regularly you know, put my work computer up and put my MobileMe calendar up and transfer appointments that way. So I have them everywhere I go. So I've been very happy with the MobileMe web interface, and it's almost like having another device that syncs without even having to think about it. Yeah, I agree that they've made improvements. I think they still have some room to grow on that. For instance, creating a calendar event on the um, calendar in MobileMe doesn't allow you to set an alarm, which I wish it would. Details. But I think we'll we'll hopefully see some of these things continually be updated. And that's what's great about the MobileMe web service is Apple can update that on their own without having to inconvenience all of us for running software updates or going out and buying another package. Now, hopefully when they do update it, it will work. Yeah, you can also, in addition to syncing specific data, you can use the iDisk, which we'll probably talk about later when we get into the syncing files. And um, you also have built-in support with the Apple iApps. 
makes it very easy to publish something from iMovie or iWeb or iPhoto, GarageBand. It's probably one of the easiest ways, if you're just a casual user, to share. For example, I recently got some new furniture, took a bunch of photos of my place with the new furniture, uploaded it, and was able to send it to my grandparents, and they were able to see it very easily, and it took me next to no time to do. Yeah, the iPhoto sharing works really well. It also works with Aperture. And uh, every time we have a family event, I always publish into my MobileMe gallery for the family to download the pictures. And uh, people have come to rely on it so much. If I don't do it right away, I start getting calls. Hmm. Well, don't want to make people unhappy. Well, it's nice because they can also upload their photos. They can pull down my photos. If I do it right, they can pull down the full-size photos for their fo- for their computers. And it's it's just really easy. And I know you can do these things with other services, but having it all in one place is, is nice. And the people that I'm interacting with are not really computer savvy, and they seem to have no trouble working through the mobile me gallery. Right. Especially if you can train your family to do one particular method and keep them there. Yeah. So Now, as we mentioned, there have been some issues with mobile me. We kind of call it the good, the bad, and the ugly of mobile me. Uh, the good is definitely, it is extremely convenient. It it works with the iPhone and iPod Touches. It works with all the iApps out of the box. But there have been some issues with stability. But I think we, we've worked through most of those. When's the last time you had a stability problem in MobileMe? Uh, it's been a couple of months, and we're sitting here now in, in late May of 2009 recording this. It's probably been February-ish before since I've had some issues and they've been sporadic. Of course, when they did the original MobileMe transition in the summer of 2008, I think we all had a few weeks that were pretty bad and a couple of months that were not great. But well, things seem to have calmed down significantly since then. They actually lost email for some people, which was unexcusable. Right. And um, But I really didn't have that many problems. And I would also have periods where I would look at my iPhone and go to get a contact, and my iPhone was completely empty. The push notification had replaced it completely empty. And then i just put it down, and I'd come back two hours later, and all of my contacts would magically be there again. I've had that happen a couple of times. When, was, when did that happen last? Uh, that happened a couple of times in uh, June and July, summer, summer of 2008. Um, and then maybe once or twice since then, but I don't think it's happened this year. Yeah, and I, they all, to Apple's credit, came back by themselves. I had kind some, of set it aside and said, I'm going to kind of hope this comes back. I had some issues when the service first rolled out like everyone else, um, but nothing too critical. And most of it was just getting the web access because I was eager to get the web access set up at work on my PC. But in terms of working with the phone, I never had too much trouble. And honestly, since maybe a month after it launched, I don't think I've ever had a problem. But maybe I'm just lucky. You could be. And I know this, the outages affected some people more than they affected others. I think I may have been in the camp that got it a little bit worse. But to this day, I don't know if I've lost any email, but I don't believe I lost anything super important. And that's why you know we talked about in our email episode, you need to use something like MailSteward and have your own backups of, of your email. Right. So... The stability, I think, has sorted itself out. I'm not saying it's not going to come back sometime, but at least for now, it seems to be working pretty well. I think so, and I think Apple really learned a lesson from the MobileMe launch, and Apple has come out and apologized for the way that MobileMe worked at the launch, and 
credited people money back on their accounts and extended everyone's accounts. I, I don't remember if it was two or three months, but it was several months. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But the big so, question is, you know, do you really want to pay for this service? Well, I have. I don't know. I'm glad I do now. There there are some months or some years when I was thinking, yeah, I really don't know if I want to spend this 100 bucks to upgrade mobile me. Am I using it enough? But I always did because my main email account was my mobile me email account. And I always upgraded it so that I could keep my email. And overall, I'm I'm glad I did. If you look at the services that it provides, it really is a good deal at a hundred bucks a year. Although we all know you can find it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah, I think that a couple of years ago it was something that everyone was questioning whether we wanted to keep. I know I was, but um, they've really upped it with the iPhone synchronization and some of the other services they've added. I think it's really become important to me. I use it all the time. One of the services we hadn't talked about yet was the back to my Mac service. Um, and so long as you're on the right type of networks, it's fantastic. So I've got my iMac at home and I've got back to my Mac turned on and I can remotely log in from my laptop from work if I need to do anything. And it's very easy. Right. I too have used uh, back to my Mac and it, it seems to have worked very well. Um, although, of course, I'm using all Apple hardware, so that seems to make a difference. I know people who are using some third-party routers have had some issues. Yeah, and I know a lot of people complain that that service never worked right for them. And I, once again, maybe I'm just the lucky one, but I have all Apple hardware, and it seems to work fine. And uh, so if I need to run a backup on my home computer, sometimes I'll do it from the office because I know it'll take several hours, and I can check in on it once in a while. And sometimes there may be a file that didn't get into the synchronizing uh, system and it's easy enough for me to to pull it out that way. I mean, if you think about it, the back to my Mac feature alone, depending on if you're someone who happens to use it a fair amount, could be worth a hundred bucks in and of itself. As could, you know, any one of the features if you use them enough. Yeah, and when you put them together, it's really pretty fantastic. What is? You get twenty gigs. You've got all your data syncing over. You've got the ability to remotely access your computer. Uh, the easily share my photos with my family. I mean, it's just, it's worth it to me. Right. I, I generally recommend mobile me to people if they have Macs or especially if they have iPhones, but I'm not so sure that it works for the, I don't know. Can I say for the power user? Maybe. Well, it works for me, but if you're trying to run a business off of mobile me or I, I'm not sure I would recommend it for that purpose. There are definitely other applications that do other more specialized things. And that's really a function of how big the business is. I had lunch with some attorney friends of mine who it's a two attorney firm and they run their entire firm off one mobile me account, hmm. which I thought was kind of remarkable. I told them, you know, there's ways you could have shared that data with two accounts and they you know they say they like having all of the calendar information in one account so they can see when each other is uh, busy with their family or anything so they can schedule around each other. Wow. I guess that's yeah. true. Two iPhones, one mobile me account, and two two MacBooks, and they run their entire law firm off of it. That sounds like a fun law firm to work for, man. Yeah, definitely. And you can get it cheaper. Absolutely. I think um, I typically, I don't know if this is still true, I almost always buy mobile me when I buy a Mac because you, you get the $30 discount if you buy it at the same time you buy a Mac. And you don't have to renew it. If you've got that box of mobile me, you can put the activation code in any time and it will... Uh, automatically add another 12 months to where you are. 
I've also found really good deals off of Amazon or if you watch some of the Mac deal sites like Deal Mac or Deal Brothers or Deals on the Web. I don't remember what what, what they're rebranding it as now. You can usually find MobileMe, I would say, in the $70 range for the individual pack. And I just upgraded to a family pack for $100. And that normally is $150, isn't it? Yeah, I got it off Amazon, came in the mail, opened the box, pulled out the code, and I was good to go. An important point is, if you're a MobileMe user, turn off the switch that says automatically charge me. There, There's actually a switch in the account where Apple will automatically charge your card every year on your anniversary date. And, of course, that will be at the full value. So you want to make sure you don't do that and just make a note somewhere when your account expires. In fact, I think Apple sends you emails about a month beforehand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do as well. And I think I have actually had that box checked by accident because Apple checks it by default. But if you then extend it, it will then extend your date. So as long as you re-extend it yourself before that date comes, it shouldn't charge you. Yeah, but I've had uh, a lot of good experiences with MobileMe. I think generally, except for the hiccups when they started the new service, it's been pretty stable, and uh, I'm a happy subscriber. And you can add additional space to your account um, if you'd right. like. An extra fo- and now that you can't find a deal on, you've got to buy that direct from Apple. And I think an extra 40 gigabytes of storage is an extra 50 bucks a month, or you can add an extra 60 gigabytes of storage for an extra $99 a month. And that seems a little high to me. I think we're going to talk later about storage. And um, really, I think there's better solutions than MobileMe for that. Right. But I think we also we haven't talked about the iDisk in MobileMe intentionally, and we're going to get to that a little later as well, too. So obviously, that is one of the features of MobileMe that does go into the overall value. What about alternatives to MobileMe? You know, people have been trying forever to find alternatives to MobileMe. I think at one point there was actually a contest saying cobble together a bunch of services that will do the same thing as MobileMe for less than 100 bucks a year, and they gave away a, a prize or something. I think it's hard to find a slew of services that together will replace MobileMe, but there are definitely services out there that will replace individual parts of MobileMe or that will assist you with thinking that do different things for different amounts of money. Um, Obviously, one of the big favorites is Dropbox. Uh, You can also do some of the same things with your web hosting provider. If you have an email service that is IMAP-based, you can replicate some of the MobileMe functions. Uh, There are a bunch of calendar syncing and address book syncing services out there. So there are a lot of things that you can cobble together that will give you individual pieces of MobileMe. I think if you're an a la carte user of MobileMe, you should look into this. For instance, if all you're doing is using an IMAP account and syncing your address book, you can handle all of that with free Google services, and you don't need to spend your money on MobileMe. Right. But you know, it's just a question of how deep you go into MobileMe. If you use it all, if you have an iPhone, I, I just think you should just stick with that. But it's certainly possible, and there are solutions now coming out to sync onto your iPhone uh, that are free through Google Calendar and Google Address Books. So, you know, it may change in the future, but for now at least, I just find the convenience worth the 100 bucks a year. So I guess we should probably talk now that we've talked all about MobileMe. What are the services that we use to keep things in sync on our Macs? Yeah, well, yes, I guess we could. I mean, you're talking about data or, or um, records? Or both. Okay, well, let's do that then. Where, where do you want to start? 
Well, didn't you have an apology you wanted to issue to Evernote? <laughs> yes, I was making fun of Evernote uh, last week because I didn't really feel like it was a paperless solution and got emails from quite a few people who use it for their paperless solution. So that's great, but it still doesn't work for me. Um, but I do like it for syncing. And uh, in terms of syncing notes, it's very convenient. You can put notes in it and you can have them available anywhere. And I think that's what you were talking about in our last episode. Right. Uh, it's multi-platform. You can use it on Windows, Mac, PC, Linux, just about anywhere. And their iPhone app is excellent. So when it comes to syncing notes, which is the one dark hole in the whole Apple ecosystem. Which uh, is Evernote. supposedly coming up fixed in 3.0, but in my opinion, it's too late. Yeah, does anybody really care at this point? No, because I think we, we've all found workarounds that, quite frankly, do note syncing and a whole lot more. I mean, the independent developers have lapped Apple on this, and even though they're going to start getting into the game, I'm not sure I really care, uh, because Evernote just does a really good job for syncing those notes. So what do you put in Evernote? I mean, just bits and clippets of information? Do you use some of the photo features? Because I use Evernote fairly limitedly. For me, Evernote is really my place to store stuff that I don't really have another place that it goes. Um clippings of text, recipes, to-do lists to some degree, um, bits of information that I know I'm going to need to access on the fly, travel itineraries, things like that. See, I use it even less than you do, and that's kind of the question I had in the last episode is I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it, but I put a lot of text snippets in it. If I'm researching things online, I'll clip the research into Evernote, but eventually that research will be put somewhere else or used or discarded. Um, I don't really use it probably to its full potential, but it is great for having notes in multiple places. Okay. Okay. But, you know, we've been talking a lot about syncing data and what I'd really like to talk about now is syncing files, because that's probably the most important question with people using multiple computers is, you know, I want this file in multiple places. And there's a, all right. okay, there's a couple ways to do it. You can do it with local synchronization, which was the way we were all doing it up until about a year ago. And then there's this exploding market of web synchronization. But let's start with the old school. Let's go with the local synchronization first. Um, okay. You know, file sharing, you know, that, you know, back in the day, everybody was real excited when the Macs would talk to each other and we could copy files over to different files. Um, network attached storage drives. I mean, that's something a lot of people have in their homes these days. Uh, time capsules, one of them. So if you're in your home and you have two Macs, you can put a file up on your server and you can drag copies down. Have you ever done that? Mm, I've, I've done some file sharing between Macs and I do have a time capsule that I, I suppose I could use for a network attached storage, but I primarily use it just as a time capsule for time machine backups. Yeah, well, it works fine. And uh, another way to do it, as you were referring to, is OS X has built-in computer sharing. So as long as you set up your computers correctly, you can drop files on computers in your own network just by uh, pulling and dragging. Um, the other way to do it is sneaker net. You know, just get a USB drive or a portable hard drive and run around the house. Which is sometimes faster. Depending on your network speed. Yeah, I've, I've done that before. We, and, and how fast you can run. And sometimes it just seems more convenient. Uh, and so that's great, but it really isn't a solution. I mean, what we're looking for is a way for you to work on a file, close the file on one computer, go to the other computer, and just open and have it there and not have to think about it. 
Um, there are some software solutions, and I think the best among them is Chronosync. And uh, have you ever used Chronosync? I've not. I've, I've played with some of the some of it and seen some of the demos, but I've never really had to keep two Macs in sync. But I know you were a big Chronosync user. I don't know if you used it as much now as you used to. Yeah, I still do. It's a great app. It's $40, and they have free lifetime upgrades, which I think is kind of neat because they just came out with a significant upgrade, and it didn't cost me anything. Um, so how it works is you create a uh, a workflow. You've got your source and your destination, and you can have it either sync across uh, – so it just makes backups, or you can have it sync both ways. So it keeps two different folders uh, synchronized for deletions or not deletions or however you want to do it. It gets as granular as you'd like. And uh, I use it for a couple things. I have some backup drives uh, that I send out into the world. I've got a, um, a one terabyte Western Digital drive that I once, you know, once a month I send it over to my sister-in-law's house. So if my house burns down, I know I've got the data off-site. And I've got a Chronosync workflow where I plug it in and it just looks at the folders that I want to back up to it, you know, like Aperture folders and, you know, different things. And it will update that, you know, with one click and it'll look at what I've deleted and it makes it very easy to update that backup drive. Um, I also use it with my mobile me um, uh, iDisk. You know, the iDisk I don't really use to synchronize, although you can and we'll talk about that. I use it as another backup, and I've got certain files that Chronosync examines and backs up to my local copy of my iDisk, and then it synchronizes those to the cloud, so I have them available. You can also use it with a thumb drive. So if you want to keep a certain limited set of files on your thumb drive, but you don't want to have to worry about dragging them over, you click it in, you hit Chronosync, you open your workflow for that thumb drive, and it updates it. So it's just a great little application. We're going to put the link in the show notes and um, it's more, I think, I use it in more of a backup uh, role. I used to use it more in a, in a synchronizing role. But either way, it's, it's definitely a possibility if you don't want to deal with all this cloud stuff. Okay. Sounds good. Um, are there other options if you don't want to use the cloud? Or should we get straight into some of the cloud options that we've, we've outlined? Well, I think the two I just mentioned, you know, the, the old school file sharing and Chronosync are probably the two best on the Mac. Uh, there may be others and maybe I'll hear about them, but, uh, the next thing is the web synchronization. Okay. Now I've set this up quite extensively for my father. And I think you use this to some degree. And in my case, I, he had already bought a mobile me account. So we decided to use mobile me. So let me start with the problem that we had and the solution that we came to using mobile me. The problem is, is that my dad is a real estate agent and he had a beautiful 24-inch iMac sitting on his desk that he did probably 85% of his work on. But he occasionally needed to be out and about places or he needed a computer that he could take to his office space or if he was at an open house. And he wanted that to stay in sync to some degree with some of the files. He didn't need his iTunes and his iPhoto library on this you know, portable computer. He was mainly looking to sync documents. And he really just wanted it to happen. He didn't want to have to think about it. So the solution that we put together was he has a series of folders inside his documents folder. In fact, one of them is his documents folder, and then he has a, a real estate folder. And he, anyway, he has a series of, of folder structures 
where he has trained himself that certain things get stored. And when you look at the contents of your document folder, it's probably going to be well under the 20 gigabyte storage limit that MobileMe has. So what we did is we used MobileMe, and there is an option to set up a local copy of your iDisk on your computer. And some people love this feature, some people hate it, because it does take up this big block of space that you really can't use, whether it's full or it's not. And in my case, because he was so used to his current folder structure, what I did is I took his folders that he used every day and put them on his local mobile me account, but then put aliases to those folders in the places that he was used to finding them. So he didn't have to get used to saving his folders anywhere else. So whenever he saved something or changed something in a particular folder, it was actually getting saved or changed onto the uh, local copy of his mobile me account. And on a regular basis, mobile me will sync the local copy of what's on your mobile me account up to the cloud. And we then took that information and also had it sync and created a similar folder structure on his laptop that he takes out in the office. So the laptop would have a local copy of his iDisk and it would also stay in sync with MobileMe. So pretty much any time he made a change to a document, it would pretty instantaneously sync to his MobileMe. And within a few minutes of him opening his computer, uh, as long as he had internet connection, those documents would also sync. But if he didn't have internet connection, those documents would still be saved to his local copy of his mobile me folder and would sync as soon as he had an internet connection. Does that make sense so yeah, far? Yeah, I, I did my syncing that way for some time. Uh, you know, it's not that hard. It's it's free if you've already got your mobile me account. You don't have to buy some other service. Um, the things I didn't like about it is that it backs up as a sparse bundle. At least it did. I haven't checked in a while. So I'm pretty sure so it still does. You don't really get the advantages of time uh, machine when it goes back to find it, you know, it gets stuck uh, looking through those files and I was never able to get that to work. Maybe there's a way, but I could never figure it out. Um, another problem is that the synchronization takes time. When you open your other computer, you have to give it time to sort everything out. And I also found that it didn't always immediately synchronize uh, the local copy, even when you use the iDisk on your desktop, it, it just always seemed like you always needed to open the finder and click the little synchronization icon and kind of make sure everything was clean uh, before you would shut down one computer and go to the next. Now, I think some of that may have changed because he has been using it um, definitely since the new changes to MobileMe came along. So he's only been using it for a few months. And I tell you, I haven't gotten any complaints, and I'm sure I would have you know, if files weren't syncing fast enough. And what I particularly like about his system is all of his data is still backed up via time machine. So if something should go wrong or copies should somehow get out of sync, he actually has gone back in the past before and pulled something off of time machine. So time machine must have somehow cleaned up the way that it's syncing. Good. And, you know, the problem I had, if I shut the lid too early on a laptop and I go to the other one, uh, the new file wasn't there. It had the old version. And it sounds like they fixed that. And and part of that lag is going to be a problem with any cloud solution. Because if you don't have an internet connection, it's not going to sync. And if you try to shut it down in the middle of a sync, it's not going to complete its sync. So some of those problems are going to be inherent with any kind of cloud-based yes. syncing. Well, for those reasons, I got interested last year in um, SugarSync. That was the first one that I tried. And 
sugar sync is a service that, uh, does the exact same thing, but they charge you more money. I think it was two ninety nine for 10 gigabytes and I didn't really need it for that much service, but they do the same idea, but they have an application that monitors the folders you have set up and it automatically updates them as you save them. And it, at least when I made the switch, it was much faster than the mobile me syncing. Uh, one of the nice things about SugarSync is that you can identify specific locations on your hard drive. So it's not just one SugarSync folder. You can say, okay, I want to go into the library application support Bento folder, and I want to sync that folder. So in the case of Bento, you have to have your database in one specific location. You could do that with SugarSync without any type of terminal magic. It just looked at that specific folder and synced it across. The problem I had with it was that it didn't handle packages well. And a lot of the applications I use save their um, save their files as p- packages. For instance, Scrivener and iWork up until very recently save their files as packages. And then the one thing you don't want to have with the syncing service is have the syncing process actually corrupt the file. And that happened to me a few times with some Scrivener files. And since Scrivener is my biggest word processor, that's not a good thing. Right, which just goes back to the the whole backup, backup, backup notion that even if you're syncing, things still aren't perfect in the world of synchronization. So you want to absolutely make sure that you've got all these files. Don't use your sync as your method of backup, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, everybody got real excited about Dropbox when it got started, but I was always using SugarSync and Happy. Uh, one thing I didn't like about um, SugarSync was it felt like it was really resource intensive, and I was told by someone that it was Java coding versus the Cocoa coding that they used for, for Dropbox. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was okay with that. But it was the corruption of files that ultimately led me to leave SugarSync and go to the golden child of Mac syncing Dropbox. And now Dropbox seems to be the syncing solution right now for Macs. Everybody seems to be using Dropbox, whether they're using the free service or the paid service, I don't know. Yeah, and the free service is two gigabytes a month, and the paid service is ten dollars a month or a hundred bucks for a year, and you get fifty gigs with that. Right. They also have a, a bigger option now that I think is new, and you can pay nineteen ninety nine a month or two hundred bucks a year for a hundred gigs, which I know a hundred gigs is a lot of data. That still seems expensive to me. Yeah, and I guess it depends on what you're using to sync it with, but fifty gigs is way more than I need, but two gigs isn't enough. So what's your you're a Dropbox user, right? I love Dropbox. In fact, you and I use Dropbox. I use Dropbox right now because I'm primarily a one Mac person. I use Dropbox almost exclusively for collaborating with others. You and I have a shared folder on Dropbox where we collaborate with regards to the Mac Power users and we put our show outlines and notes in there. I do the same thing with Corey for the Mac Core podcast. And I have a couple of other people that I share folders. Don't you have to specifically put folders inside Dropbox, or can you pick and choose folders that live in certain places to sync? No, you have to put them in Dropbox. That's the advantage of SugarSync, really, over Dropbox, was you could pick identi- or identify locations, whereas in Dropbox, you have to put it into the yeah, Dropbox folder. And then how worried are you, if at all, about security with the Dropbox? Well, it depends what you're syncing. I don't sync anything that 
I don't want uh, anybody else to see, uh, you know, client files and things like that don't go into Dropbox. Sure. Uh, but the uh, the stuff I have in there, I'm okay with. I actually have kind of a, a unique workaround because uh, I have a, a PC at work, and I would like to be able to use Dropbox to sync some files, but I don't want having access to all of my files because you know there's other people that have access to that computer, the IT people, and literally anybody walking through my office that can figure out the password, I guess. So I have set up two Dropbox accounts. I have my my regular one that I pay for. And then I set up a separate free two gigabyte uh, Dropbox account. And, you know, because Dropbox allows for sharing with other Dropbox users, I shared it with myself. So I took my paid account and I shared that with the two gigabyte account. And so that's a separate account that that is a shared folder in my Dropbox that just my office PC sees. And in it, I have some legal forms that I use if I do research at home and I want to be able to immediately sync it over or just, you know, sending files back and forth between the Mac and my office PC, it's very convenient for that. But if someone gets into that file, all they're going to have access to is that one shared folder. Whereas if I had hooked up a full-on PC synchronization with my Dropbox, they'd have all my other personal files and things that I don't really want on that computer. Well, that's a really good idea. And the other thing to keep in mind is that when you give someone access with a Dropbox to a shared folder... They do have complete access, and I know we've run into the the problem once or twice where somebody will accidentally move a file instead of copying a file, or the file will get deleted. And, for example, if you delete something in the Dropbox folder that we share, the next time my computer syncs up, that folder is going to be gone for me as well. Now, there are some ways to go back and get it. Um, for example, Dropbox does have a web interface where you can go back and recover files and but then there are also ways to secure delete files so that that doesn't work. So just keep in mind that when you are sharing with Dropbox, you really are sharing. Well, you know, the whole web-based synchronization, I know a lot of people think of it as a uh, poor man's backup. And to a certain extent, that's true. Um, my sister-in-law is a college student, and I set her up with a Dropbox account because I knew that was at least one extra place the things would be. But she's just got one computer and you know, this data is backed up with Dropbox with her. But if you have it on multiple machines, you never know when, you know, some person or just maybe some fluke of hardware will cause those files to get deleted. And if they do, they delete everywhere. Right. And uh, Dropbox and SugarSync, they have a service that goes back and keeps older copies. So there's some ways to try and recover it, but it's a big risk. I think the the point to make is if you're going to be doing this, you need to be running a time machine or a super duper or some kind of reliable regular backup system. So you're comfortable knowing that if everything got nuked, you could go back and recover a bunch of it from your own backups. Now we talked about uh, using Dropbox to share files and folders and individual documents, but I I've heard from a lot of people on Twitter and I did some research in the Dropbox forums about people who are actually using Dropbox to keep iTunes and iPhoto libraries in sync and it seems that this is more successful when trying to keep iTunes in sync because if you look at it, iTunes is really just a series of folders and a series of files and the way that they create their file structure, whereas iPhoto tends to be more uh, package files. And I have noticed some problems with Dropbox with regards to package files occasionally. So when we asked who would ever use more than 50 gigabytes, I think if you're trying to keep an iPhoto and or an iTunes library in sync – 
you're probably going to run into that limit pretty quickly. I think that's exciting. I mean, in the future, you're going to have your photos and your music and everything synced across easily across multiple computers. And it's going to take a lot of the work out of it. Uh, my files are too big now. I mean, I've got too much in my iTunes. I've got too much in my Aperture library. I couldn't sync them. And frankly, I'm okay with that. Um, when I'm on the road, I listen to music on my phone, uh, not through my laptop. Well, that's probably true as well for me. But I think a lot of people have said Dropbox is really what the mobile me iDisc should have been. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And it's going to be interesting to see what transpires. I mean, all of this has happened really in the last year. Uh, I think a year from now we'll have to do an update to this syncing app because the technology or the syncing show because the technology will have changed so much. But, you know, there's other alternates to SugarSync and Dropbox. Um, Spider Oak is right. One. We actually, yeah, we actually asked our, our Twitter people for some recommendations and got some that I hadn't even heard of. Yeah. Well, Spider Oak I've played with. That one, I've talked to a lot of Max Barkey readers that like it. And I haven't given it um, enough of a chance because I'm happy with Dropbox. I mean, I'm usually driven by failure. So, if, you know, when something went wrong with SugarSync, I immediately jump ship because I just can't have that happen. But I think Spider Oak is pretty reliable. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. It started up really more as a backup service, um, but it, they've added syncing within the last few months and sharing file sharing. And a lot of people seem to be happy with that. So you can check that one out. Another one that I used for a while was Syncplicity, and that's what I used on my Office PC. Before I kind of came up with the idea to have a separate Dropbox account, I actually had two syncing servers. I had my paid Dropbox, and I had a free 2-gigabyte Syncplicity that I synced to my Office PC. But then, you know, the fact that you have two computer, um, two separate applications monitoring your folders, I know it was dragging down clock cycles, and I really didn't want to have two services so that's what led me to the idea of using a separate Dropbox account. But Simplicity worked just fine. It works both on the PC and the Mac, and um, uh, you can get that at Simplicity.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. We also heard from a uh, listener who likes Zumo Drive, and uh, that one starts at two ninety nine for two gigs. Uh, it has a very interesting iTunes integration where it does its own kind of magic, and it looks at your iTunes library on the cloud and syncs it onto your local computer on their website. They actually did it on a netbook where they had a very large iTunes library referenced on a netbook. And then the netbook, when you clicked it, the song on iTunes would actually go up to the cloud and pull the file down that you wanted to listen to. So another option that Mac users may be a little skeptical to use is Microsoft live sync that we actually had an email um, from a listener asking us specifically to address this because a lot of Mac people, I guess, are hesitant to use Microsoft products. Uh, but a while back, Microsoft actually bought a company called FolderShare, which they actually have incorporated into Microsoft Live Sync. And it seems to work very well. It will sync not only from PC for, to PC and Mac to Mac, but it will also sync across platforms. Macworld recently uh, had an article on Live Sync and said that it worked flawlessly for all of the tests that they performed on it. So especially if you're looking to sync cross-platform, that may be something worth looking into. It seems like it's the Wild West right now with all these new competing web syncing services, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Right. 
So we also kind of brought up the topic of a lot of these things will sync data, but what if you really don't need to sync your, well, I guess everything is data, but what if you don't really need to sync documents? What if you just need to sync some specific types of things on your computers? If you just want to sync your calendars or your iTunes library or your iPhoto library or specific pieces of things that go beyond documents, what do you use? Because BusySync is not, or uh, BusySync is the calendar program we like, but solutions like Dropbox and solutions like iDisk are not going to work well for those types of data. Okay, let's talk first about calendars. How do you sync your calendars? I use a program called BusySync, which allows me to share calendars not only, only over my local network, but also over Google, which has the big advantage over mobile me calendar syncing in that multiple people can edit calendars instead of just being able to see them. Yeah, in fact, that's how we do our show. Right. We have it. We both have busy sync and we have a, a calendar that syncs and even compensates for the time zone quite nicely. Yeah. The other advantage of busy sync in my, is in my house, we have, you know, two or three different users my daughters and my wife and I, and BusySync allows you to sync those calendars and see them in your iTunes. So even though we all, I count. yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, I count. Even though we all have our own mobile me accounts, uh, when my wife makes an adjustment to her calendar, I see it on mine. When I make an adjustment to hers, I see it. She sees it. In addition, we've created a calendar just called Family Calendar, so it's events where we're all going to be together. And uh, it's very convenient. It syncs over Bonjour, so you see it immediately. And uh, in addition to the Google Sync, it allows you to have your own, basically, uh, calendar server in your home. It would work in a small office, too. Right, and so it lets you set permissions. So some calendars, you may not want certain people to be able to edit. Some things you do want people to be able to edit. You know, For example, I've got all of my calendars, and then I have one specific calendar that I share with you that you and I edit, but we don't have access to the other person's other calendar. So it works really well. Um, I'm really excited about a uh, product called BusyCal that they're supposed to be bringing into public beta this summer that I'm looking forward to, which is supposed to do everything that BusySync can do and then add more features to iCal, which I think iCal has been desperately lacking, even some basic features for a while. So I'm sure we'll do a whole other show and dig in deeper on calendars once some of, some of these options have come out and once we see what Snow Leopard does with iCal. Yeah, they kind of explained it to me at Macworld as iCal Pro, and I think that's a good way to describe it. I was looking at they added some nice features. They actually have recurring to-dos and just things that I just can never fathom why Apple left out of iCal to begin with. Okay, there's another good uh, syncing program for calendars, though, called Spanning Sync, and that one really focuses on syncing your calendars with Google. It's not so much the home network as much as just getting a really solid Google sync. That one costs $25 for a year, $65 for, I believe, a lifetime license. I used that before BusySync came out, but because of the additional functionality in BusySync, I abandoned it at that point. I guess it all goes back to specifically what you need to do with your calendars. And if you're only looking to sync with Google, then, you know, spanning sync may be an option worth looking at. So do you sync iTunes? I don't because I don't have multiple Macs, but I will need to in the future, and this is something I'm very interested in, is figuring out how to sync all of my iTunes because I've got a pretty big library. It's it's several gigs. 
There's a lot of third-party solutions for this. Uh, the one that I've used the most is Toon Ranger, and it did a really good job. It allowed me to sync specific libraries over to specific machines in the house. I don't really use it too much anymore, though, because we've kind of gone separate ways with our individual libraries in our home. So you don't necessarily share the same musical taste as your daughter. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm trying to keep the Hannah Montana off the iMac, if at all possible. Well, that's that's good. Um, another option that got a lot of traction at Macworld, I think Macworld 2008, is SuperSync, which allows you to compare versions of your iTunes library and determine what you need to sync. So if you want to sync everything except your Hannah Montana playlist, uh, you can do that. It also has a, a music streaming service if you have a static IP address or if you have port forwarding configured, so you can actually stream music that's sitting on your PCs at home. And uh, it's about the same price as Toon Ranger for a two-pack. It's $29 for a two-pack, and then more if you need multiple license for multiple people in your household. Yeah, there's also MyTuneSync and uh, Syncopation. I mean, there's, right. there's several products. There's several products. What seems to be more difficult, though, is keeping iPhoto in sync. And I've yet to really find a good solution for that. Macworld does have an interesting article featuring a product called iPhoto Library Manager, which um, basically merges libraries. And it's not really a true sync. It's more you merge multiple libraries together to kind of imitate a sync, if that makes sense. Um, but I've yet to see a really good iPhoto syncing solution. And the best solution I've heard so far are some of the listeners that wrote in that said they were syncing it over Dropbox. Right. Just simply copying it up. And that kind of opens another line of discussion. There are certain programs that really aren't supposed to be synced, but you can using services like Dropbox. Bento is an example. It's a little more difficult with Dropbox than it was with SugarSync because you can't pick a specific folder. But using... Dropbox, you can actually put in some terminal code, and it's easily searchable on the web. Maybe we'll link to one of the articles in the show notes where you can fool uh, Bento into thinking that it's looking at the local folder that it's supposed to be looking at, but it's actually looking at your Dropbox database, and you can sync it over multiple machines that way. Well, that's good. It sounds like the solution to all of our problems would be, though, if Dropbox would let us individually select folders to sync. We should recommend that. Yeah, if it was bigger, cheaper, and faster, it would be the solution for just about all of these problems. Um, OmniFocus is another one. It used to not be uh, syncing. Now it does through MobileMe. But before that all happened, I used to sync it through SugarSync and, once again, just fool the computer into thinking that it was looking at the same folder all the time. If you get creative with some of these applications that need their data in a specific place, using web-based syncing services, there's usually a solution and quite often, someone's already figured it out, just need to get on Google and sort it out. My only concern with that is if these programs are supposed to have their data stored in a certain location and you hack around that, for lack of a better term, you know, you never know what future updates are going to bring. Yeah, and you make lots of backups. Right. So where do we stand with, with all of this syncing? What are some of your syncing best practices? Well, for me, it's... Dropbox and MobileMe. And right. I got thinking about it. I'm spending $200 a year syncing computers, and that's kind of crazy. I mean, I know I get a lot more out of MobileMe than that, but I really wish that MobileMe was in better shape in terms of file syncing, and then I could drop the Dropbox piece of it, but it just doesn't seem to be there yet. And then uh, ChronoSync has kind of 
fallen out of favor as a syncing tool and become more of a backup tool, as I discussed earlier. But I think we're really just at the beginning of this. I think it's going to really explode with new ideas and services. And before long, we're going to be syncing just about everything through web-based services. I tend to agree with you. My my solution right now is MobileMe and, and Dropbox. But I think with all of these syncing services that are coming out, everybody's trying to one-up the competition, which I think is going to be a very good thing for the consumers. I think MobileMe realizes that their service is quite aren't up to par with Dropbox. Maybe they'll come out with some more innovative solutions that will let us do all of what we want to do. You know, maybe the long rumored uh, home server for your iTunes and your iPhoto will come out so that we don't have to hack around all of these things. For me, I'm, I'm so far I'm sticking with my one computer solution so I don't have to sync everything, but I think that will change in the near future. And I just keep thinking if I hold out a little bit longer, syncing will get a little bit easier. I think you can be rest assured that's going to be true. It just it's gotten so much better in the last year, and I'm sure we're going to see new improvements. But I agree with you. If we could just get it all out of the mobile me service, I think that would be ideal. But we're not there yet. So does that wrap up everything with syncing? I think it's a good try. I'm sure we probably missed a few things, but uh, it, we covered most of the the big points for syncing on your Mac today. But we're not done. Of course not. Yeah, we did a paperless episode, and we have had some feedback on that. Uh, Just a little. Yeah, one of the things I thought was real interesting, the developer for Hazel wrote, and he had listened to the section I had talked about. As you may recall, I do most of my paperless organization just with a series of nested folders and some Hazel scripts. And he sent me some really good ideas. I didn't realize I can actually have the Hazel automatically append the date onto the file and a couple other tricks. I'm probably going to do a post on it at some point to talk about the exact scripts I use, and I'll put those up. I'm not going to guarantee it's going to come out the same time as this podcast, but keep posted, and it will go up soon. Excellent. Um, I need to take a closer look at Hazel. I, I've got that on my, my list of things to do and things to experiment, but it's a, it seems like it's a program that even just on the tip of the iceberg does a lot of interesting things, but then you have the ability to dig even deeper. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it at length today, but I mean, one of the additional features is Hazel is an excellent application deleter. I mean, it, it goes and finds all the other cruft uh, when you delete an application, which is pretty nice. You don't have to buy a separate application for that. We also got a lot of email from people who were telling us about their paperless workflows and how they worked and how they didn't and what they need to improve and even suggestions uh, for what we could improve. We had lots of questions about secure disk images. And David actually did an excellent Max Sparky screencast on disk images. So that's something you'll definitely want to check out. I put a link to that screencast in the show notes for Mac Power Users Episode 3. Or, of course, you can always find it on David's MaxSparky.com website. But a lot of people seem to be concerned about security, and especially when using some sync services like Dropbox. And I would say, you know, Dropbox already has some built-in security, as does MobileMe. But still, that doesn't make me too comfortable about putting any information that makes me prime for identity theft up there. So pretty much anything that contains my social security number or, or anything like that doesn't get put into a... Um, a space that goes up to the web. 
But it is very convenient to have all of these things in sync. So one thing you can do, as we mentioned, is create a secure sparse bundle uh, disk image that contains, you know, only those files that you're really concerned about and then sync that up through your Dropbox. Um, the sync will probably take a little longer. I'm not sure how well Dropbox handles sparse bundles if it only syncs it up in streams or uh, like it should. But that's one way to to take care of that. And you shouldn't be talking about a whole lot of data. Yeah, the point there is if someone is motivated enough to break through your Dropbox security and get access to a secure encrypted sparse bundle and then break through that security and then get to your files, then you have a much bigger problem than worrying about your security on the Internet. You do. And quite frankly, they deserve to get at your information if they're going to go to that much trouble. Uh, and then we also got an email from one of our Hawaiian listeners. Yes, yes. Uh, Randy wrote and talked about how he was using Evernote and uh, how he found it as a savior. And, you know, I think that's probably true. If you have the paid Evernote account, you can attach files and you can use it for a lot more than I'm using it for. I just can't get over the PDF OCR. Yeah, that's that's a big stumbling block for Evernote. And I, I think it... I think they're working on it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And, and once they get that going, I'm going to have to revisit it. I, I know I could get more out of the Evernote service. I just haven't got around to figuring out exactly how I plan to do that. All right. So we should probably talk about how people can get in contact with us. Yeah, you can reach me at um, david at macpowerusers.com. That's my email here. But I think actually emailing me would be better if you did feedback at macpowerusers. That way it goes to both Katie and myself. Correct. And... and- Usually either David or I, or maybe both, will respond to you. But if you keep sending things to that feedback address, then we'll both have a chance to see it. Yeah. You can also find me at maxsparky.com. That's kind of my hub. And uh, I've got things going on there as well. And you can find the Mac Power Users on Twitter. It's uh, Mac Power Users. And we've actually got a lot of good show ideas through that. I'm really glad that we're active on Twitter. Yeah, and we'll keep the, keep the lines of communication open for sure. Uh, you can, of course, the best way to subscribe to us is to find us on iTunes, or you can visit our website at MacPowerUsers.com. There's a link to subscribe to iTunes. If you don't use iTunes, or if you just need the RSS feed, there's also a link to that. And also check out MacPowerUsers.com for all of our show notes. If you heard us talk about something on the show, but maybe you were in your car and you didn't quite get it or you want to investigate it further, typically you'll find a link at the Mac Power Users website. And Katie, you've got your own Twitter account. What is that? Oh, I've got lots of ways to contact me. I am twitter.com slash maccore, and you can find me on the maccore podcast, typically with Corey Sirens, as well as occasionally the uh, Mac Roundtable over at macroundtable.com. And my individual Twitter feed is MacSparky, and some days I post a lot, and sometimes I go days without posting, just kind of depending on what I'm up to with the, with the day job. Yeah, so let us know. What what do you do to keep your Macs in sync? Have you found any of the information that we've given you particularly useful? Is there one service that you recommend, one service that you absolutely hate? We like to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we've also got to talk about our next show. What's, what's going next? Next show is going to be exciting, all about word processing. Really? Because that sounds boring. Yeah, well, I, that's because you don't know better. It's really okay. fun. There, the Mac has some great word processing options. Your world does not need to revolve around Microsoft Word. 
And in fact, there are some excellent tools on the Macintosh that will allow you to write better. Okay. Well, everybody needs to write better. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that. And if you have any tools that you use to write better or any alternative, uh, word processing programs on the Mac, send us an email, feedback at macpowerusers.com or hit us up on Twitter and let us know about it. And iTunes comment are always appreciated. That's right. We've gotten some great iTunes comments and, uh, they're helping us uh, stay popular and, and helping us be seen in iTunes. So we certainly appreciate that. Yes. Well, Katie, I think we did a good job covering synchronization. I'm looking forward to doing word processing next week. And until then, have a good one. Bye, everybody.